This is The Power Profile, stories of world-class leadership, hosted by award-winning broadcast journalist and media entrepreneur, Christina Mendonza. Get ready to connect with those defining success. This is The Power Profile, where we look at power in all forms of our personal and professional lives and talk to people who've leveraged power in their own lives. Today, my guest is Sarah Davenport. She's an entrepreneur and former broadcast journalist and anchor for NBC. Sarah and I got to know each other recently on LinkedIn. She reached out saying, you keep popping up in my suggested contacts. I saw the headline of her profile was burned out TV anchor who wanted more leading others who want out of the ratings race. So I thought, well, we must know some of the same people. It's such a small industry. And although I didn't burn out of TV, we both had a front row seat for all of the changes. And I knew we would have a great conversation. And I was really curious about her pivot out of television, which was uh, of her own doing, something that she wanted to make a change in her life and did it. So let's talk about first something that I asked each of my guests. I really want you to ask yourself this as you're listening to our conversation. What habit, hobby, routine, pastime recharges your batteries? You know, I ask every guest that question, especially if you've been listening to me for a while. Now, there are several ways that our batteries are drained. Depression, anxiety, that drains us. Even more, sleep deprivation, stress about our struggles and negative self-talk. That drains us. But the top of the list for things that drain us, worrying about the future, unhealthy lifestyle, what you're eating and your lack of exercise, and dealing with toxic people. Those three top the list. I use several things to deal with my batteries being drained. For me, physical activity is a big one. When I've been working too hard, I start to get annoyed easily. And when I recognize that in myself, I get to the gym, take a walk, do a yoga class, do something to pull myself away from work and move my body. When I know I have a big day the night before, I make sure to get a good night's sleep. I have several sleep rituals I do. I take a long shower, I turn the air conditioner up and make my room an ice box. I read fiction for about an hour, always fiction, never nonfiction, because then I'm thinking too much about stories I could do or things like, you know, do I want to interview the author? No, 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 just fiction. And then I'll put my eye mask on, my earbuds in, and listen to some sort of guided meditation. When I'm feeling creatively drained, I increase my interaction with other people. I go to an art exhibit or try a store I've never been to. If I have the time and the money, I take a day trip or travel. For me, it's all about getting out of my normal element to find inspiration and meet people with different perspectives. And it works every time. Now, I ask this question to everyone and I have had the most interesting answers. Everything from, I check into a hotel for a few days by myself just to uh, zone out, to I shop for uh, breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was an interesting one, uh, or I play video games, or I mean, everyone has their own way of recharging. So think about what way, what what feeds you, whether you need it creatively or just need to recharge your batteries because they've been drained by people and situations. So now to my guest, Sarah Davenport. Our conversation really transcends broadcast journalism. We talk about the generational struggles for personal and professional balance and how she found it by leaving something that she truly thought she loved. For her, broadcast journalism was a multi-generational pursuit. Her mom was also a news anchor for CBS and was among the first to sue the network ever for age discrimination when she was replaced by a younger woman. They didn't replace the men, they just replaced her. 
Well, they settled out of court, but that case goes down as one of the very first against a network. Now, despite a tough departure for her mother, she had grown up, Sarah that is, had grown up in newsrooms. She saw her mom's career and she thought she wanted that too. So we'll talk about the moment she realized she didn't want that life anymore. What put her over the edge and what she did next. Sarah Davenport joins me now. Sarah, thank you for making the time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really inspired by your podcast, so I appreciate being on. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad to hear. Well, I'm inspired by your honesty, your career transition, uh, and I feel a kinship with you because we both spent a large portion of our lives doing the same thing, you know, anchoring the news yeah. <laughs> each night. Um, so talk to me about how you came to love journalism and uh, where you were before your career transition. Absolutely. So I actually fell in love with television at an early age simply because my mom was a television anchor. She was one of the first women in the TV industry in the 70s. And she anchored in both Philadelphia and Chicago and then back to Philadelphia. So back then it was easy to start in a big market. Uh, although I guess today it's uh, you've got a lot of these really young guns right out of college going to big markets. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. But she started and um, really paved the way for women in television. And so I grew up just absolutely admiring her, wanting to be her, would follow her around. I've got pictures sitting on her lap on the news desk uh, when she was, she was probably in her late 20s, early, I guess early 30s in Chicago and then back in Philadelphia. And that's all I ever wanted to do. And I thought it was my dream job. Now, interestingly, when I was getting out of college, my mother begged me not to get in. She said, don't do it. It's really? changed. It's not storytelling anymore. It's, you know, you're now ambulance chasing. You don't get to do any real in-depth pieces anymore. It's the industry's changing. This isn't where you want to be. And like a great daughter, I did not listen to her <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, but she, she saw what it was like. Um, and she actually got out and got into politics and became a state senator, was a majority whip for a while, ran for lieutenant governor, and may finally have retired in her early 70s now. I'm not sure if that's actually the case. I think she's writing a book. So wow. we will see. Uh, but I, she was my ultimate role model. And I thought, this is this is exactly what I want to do. And then when I got to the point where I made it big and I got to where I thought I wanted to be, I hated it. I wanted out. So so and tell me about tell me about that climb. Okay, so you're out of mm -hmm. college, you're working, like, where was your first market? I was working in upstate New York and Utica, New York market, I think 172, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely tiny. But the unique thing about that market is back then they had a satellite truck, they had several live trucks, no small market had access to those. Right. So I had amazing training. Uh, it was the number one station in town. And a lot of people actually who were my coworkers, uh, one of them now is one of the heads on Golf Channel. Um, one of our sports guys got into news and now his name's Ryan Nobles. He now is the Capitol Hill correspondent for CNN. So we had a powerhouse of people working together at the same time. And it's just amazing to see where everyone's journey went. But I think I was the first one to get out. I was the first one to realize, you know, it was amazing in the small markets. Um, and let's be honest, not a lot of people are watching. You can make your mistakes there. You know, yeah. it's, you know, a few people and a lot of cows watching you. And then I made my way up to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and I did a lifestyle show there. And I loved it. I remember interviewing The Rock and Cuba Gooding Jr. And we had people from Sesame Street on and, you know, 
from that to hard news, it was a great combination and a fun mix. And for whatever reason, in the back of my head, I kept thinking, well, my mom pushed forward and she was in a tough market and was the number one person. And that's what I want too. And so I left, which honestly was a pretty sweet gig for Houston, Texas. And I became the morning show anchor at the age of 29. And I thought I had made it. And I thought, well, I'm a morning person. This is perfect. And it was anything but. You know, at 29 years old to make it to Houston, for, for those of you listening that maybe aren't as familiar with the TV world, that's a huge thing. That's a big deal to be in that size of market in your 20s and be, you know, have one of the main slots. What was that moment that you said, I can't do this anymore? What, was there something that happened or was it just the cumulative effect of bad news? Mm -hmm. I would say it was more of uh, when I found myself in tears almost every Sunday night, asking myself and, and saying to the Lord, God, why am I, why am I here? I, I don't, this isn't fun. I don't enjoy it. It was an absolute cutthroat uh, station and market. Uh, we had our ratings dropped on our desk daily and we'd be asked, okay, well, what, what happened between 5.03 and 5.05 a.m.? Your, your ratings plummeted. I don't know. People went to the bathroom. They hopped in the shower. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like really, um, it was, they made you question everything. I mean, I would, I would have a general manager that would call me after, you know, and you understand it's the first news block. So first commercial break and it wasn't, Hey, you got the lead story or you, you know, crush the competition or you got an amazing, you know, tip, whatever it was, your earrings dangle, take them off. Click. I'm like, really? That's what this is now? It's about looks and it's about appearance and it's not really journalism anymore? Like, what, when did this happen? And I remember my mom had warned me about that, but that's where some of the big markets were going. And I, I just, it made me question everything. I questioned myself. I started taking viewer emails seriously. And you know how it is. We get viewers who love us, viewers who hate the color, you know, red that we're wearing. It was too bright, too dark, too, mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, we're criticized all the time. I started internalizing it. Um, I started really, um, I, I was missing my kids' lives. I realized that at that time. I had two children. I now have four, four boys. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had two boys at the time. And I realized my husband tucked them into bed every night. I didn't. Um, I didn't get to have dinner with them every night because I was asleep. I had to wake up at 2 a.m. I would lie to myself and believe like, oh, I didn't miss their first steps. I did. Um, I had nannies helping me to raise the kids and everything. Oh, well, that's so wonderful. That's so privileged. Well, guess what? There's no daycare open at 2 a.m. to go drop your kids off. So if I had to be at work and if my husband was traveling out of the state and I didn't have family here, where am I going to take my kids at two in the morning? Right. You have to have help. And then that help comes at a price tag. So it wasn't to be uppity or look at me, I have a nanny. It was, this is the only way to do this job. And wait, a ton of my income is going to that. I want to fire the nanny and raise my kids. I want to be home for the, the big things and the little things. And I honestly look back at my childhood and my mother missed a lot. She did. And I don't falter for that. She gave us an amazing lifestyle, but she didn't have a life. And I didn't want that with my kids. I know what she missed. She doesn't, and that's okay. And I'm not upset with her at all for any of that. Like I said, we had a fantastic life growing up, but I wanted to be present, but I didn't know a way to do it. And that's why I was in tears on Sunday nights. Like, how do I do this? I have these golden handcuffs. How do you walk away? 
The golden handcuffs thing, yes. I mean, that that rings true. I mean, in broadcasting and so many other jobs, you're you're providing this uh, very good lifestyle to your, your family. The bills are paid, um, but, but you're the one that's kind of feeling like you're not living your authentic life. And I've had a lot of friends um, who, who, and people recently that I know that have gotten out of the business because they thought, you know, I have dis- some decisions to make and this is not the way I want my life to look anymore. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. did you take those first steps? What happened? Was it a, a, a con- like in my case, it was a contract that wasn't renewed. So I mean, mm-hmm. what was it in your case? Did you go to your boss and say, I can't do this anymore? Did what, what was that conversation like with your husband as you, as you made this transition? Well, and, and you probably understand this too, that for those of us in big markets, we're often the breadwinner, right? And right. we're often the one, you know, so we can't just walk away and go, let me rethink this. Um, and it's so interesting now looking at this post-pandemic time and the great resignation of 2022, I think a lot of people just kind of dropped everything and walked out. Well, that's almost what I did. Not quite, but almost. Um, really, I think that the ultimate breaking point was I was um, about to have my third child and I was going to be induced on a Monday morning, uh, 6 a.m. And my station asked me to anchor the 10 p.m. Sunday newscast. <laughs> now, I'm a morning show anchor, mind you. So I was only going to get two days off before I had this third baby. And I anchored. They asked me, and I said yes, which is even crazier. I mean, it was sick of them to ask me to start with. But then even more insane that I said yes. But you feel like you have to in that job because they hang over your head. Well, your viewers are going to forget about you or there are 10 other people who want your job. I got 20 more demo reels today. You know, so you felt like I, you have to. So I anchored the 10 o'clock news. I got home at midnight and six hours later, I'm in the hospital having a baby. Like that's crazy. And at that point, so I was on maternity leave going, something's got to give, like, I've got to find something else. And so I dabbled in different things. I thought maybe PR was for me. Um, it wasn't, (laughs) I need something that is, uh, you know, being in TV, we're not used to sitting behind a desk. We are out, we're moving, we're, we're driven people, we're coachable people, we are people people, we'd like to tell stories, we'd like to interact. And I needed something that was going to do all of those things. So PR wasn't it for me. I do some freelance, um, you can still catch me on like Oxygen Network and True TV and BET and HLN. I do a lot of different true crime shows, like Snap Killer Couples and uh, Fatal Attraction and mm-hmm. Vengeance all really crazy horrible murders really don't watch them but they're good they're interesting um <laughs> people love true don't... crime stories they do oh my gosh <laughs> they love so that fun. genre my pastor's wife came up to me after church said sarah i was folding laundry the other day and then there you were right there on killer couples i'm like what are you doing watching killer couples <laughs> it was hysterical oh my goodness anyway um so i you know i dabbled in a lot of different things and um you know even tried my hands i have my own little charcuterie board business and fun little things on the side but nothing was really paying the bills mm-hmm. and a friend of mine who had been an anchor in uh harrisburg vegas um in philadelphia had walked away when her son was diagnosed with cancer at 23 months and she um, actually joined what was a network marketing business at the time. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. You slept lipstick. I win Emmys. That's great. Like you go do your thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of look down on her sort of uh, to her face and behind her back for two years. Because in TV, a lot of times people have egos. And I'll be the first to tell you I had an ego back then. Um, I was more worried about what other people thought. I was more worried about being this big anchor and this lifestyle I created. And I didn't really get clear with what I wanted. 
And I looked at what she was doing and she was home with her kids and she was making an, an incredible living. And she was being, she was able to travel with her family. She was, you know, working a few hours around her family's schedule. And I went, huh, that's not what I do. Like, maybe I really need to get clear on what I want. And I'll tell you, there's a great book um, and it's called, it's from John Maxwell. I love personal growth and development. John Maxwell wrote a book called Beyond Talent, Become Someone Who Gets Extraordinary Results. Interestingly, this book is one that my 14-year-old has been assigned for summer reading for his high school. He's going, going to be a freshman. And I love that they assign books like this. Um, but, you know, in just even in the first part, he quoted um, Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You'll Go, where it says, you've got brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. And I do believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And I thought, what direction do I want? If I had all the money in the world, if I had all the time in the world, where would I go? What would I do? Who would I bless? What would my life look like? And so I got very clear on designing a life that I wanted. And I wanted an envision for my family. And my husband and I, we believe intentions everything. I mean, you need to be intentional about where you're going in life, what you're teaching your kids, um, what, what, what your daily life looks like to live that best life. And I thought, okay, I'm going to um, kind of <laughs> inhale the future and exhale the past and I'm going to move forward. And I actually got into um, the social marketing industry, which is originally network marketing and it kind of has changed through the years. I do everything just on Zoom. And so I, and I've got products in doctor's offices and day spas and gyms. So I visit them with our products and then I do informational hits, like little almost 15 minute live shots on Zoom for different networks of people. And I educate them about health and wellness products and you know what you put on your skin and in your body, you know how important that is. And I really became passionate when my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, he had colon cancer in his 40s mm. and he's healthy now, but we realized, oh my gosh, anything you put on your skin gets in your bloodstream in 26 seconds. All the junk over all those years in TV that I put on my skin, I thought, oh my gosh, like I need to really start digging into this. I'm an investigative reporter. Like I need to look into what all this is. Um, so anyway, that's where I, you know, ended up. And it's so funny because now it's sort of come full circle. Um, a, a great docu-series just came out on HBO Max called Not So Pretty. And it talks about the truth of what's in personal care products, the truth of what's in makeup, the truth of what's in nails. Like when you go to a nail salon in hair and like all the dyes of hair care, um, it's eye-opening absolutely eye-opening well this is what i've been preaching this is what i've been telling people like, you've got to pay attention because it's not regulated the fda regulates less than 30 ingredients wow. that are in products you use daily 30. and you think and most about hand sanitizer i mean just in a night of of doing the news i mean your your lungs are coated several times over with hairspray um, you've got product and you've got you know a very heavy uh, makeup on your nails yes. are done uh yeah and you sometimes have perfume on too so yeah i mean mm -hmm. you, you're layered up in those products interesting that you know you had kind of recognized that i've been using these my in, you know entire career and now i can educate people on what to throw out of their medicine cabinet that's exactly right i always say you know you've got a whole <laughs> like a cosmetic graveyard under your sink you know, in your bathroom, like start digging through, start reading ingredients and you go mineral oil. Well, I thought those are pretty minerals. No, that's black 
crude oil that's been refined. Right. And I live in Houston, Texas. So I know that because my husband was in oil and gas for a while. So we know that crude oil, the excess gets sold to the beauty industry and oh, it gets labeled wow. with pretty names. Oh yes. Oh, so if you have mineral oil in any product, that's come from the oil and gas industry. Wow. Can I put it in my car these days? <laughs> that's yeah, right. what I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. But you know, you talk about that. People are looking for um, other ways to make income right now because of gas prices, because mm -hmm. of food prices, because of what we're seeing. They're, they're going, what else can I do? So if they're not resigning, they're looking for side hustles, whether it's blogging or whether it's, you know, teaching an exercise class at the gym or whatever right. it is because they realize, you know, you need to have a massive increase in your paycheck, which by the way, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a 10% increase this year. 99% of people won't. Mm -hmm. So how do you make up for that? And that's why I have a lot of people who've come to see me and said, okay, tell me what you're doing. And you do this 15 minutes on zoom. Like I'm intrigued. And yeah. so I'm spending a lot of my time trying to empower others, especially other moms who are used to making good money, who are going, I just, Something's got to change. Well, you're Something's right. Give. And even even people starting out, I mean, um, I have um, two daughters in their 20s. And, and my older daughter, I, I tell her all the time, make sure you always have a side hustle. Because, you know, one of the things we do is we, we go to work for a company, whether it's a television network or whatever, we go to work for a company and we depend only on them. And if then that goes away then we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're kind of screwed for a while until we can mm -hmm. figure it out. Always Absolutely. have a side hustle. And about halfway through my career, uh, my television career, I started my side hustles. And I tried a few of them until I found something that I really enjoyed doing that I wouldn't mind spending extra hours on the weekend doing. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I transitioned to when I left television. So, and, and I think it's important for everyone to have to investigate that and do it while, if you can, do it while you still have a job. Investigate it, yes. see, is this something that I like? Is this something I could transition to? So that's exactly what I did. So on maternity leave with my third child, I started playing around with it and saying, what, what could I do? And in four months, I had replaced basically the income that I was making at the station. And I said, I'm out. So while I was still under contract, I, was, I basically said, I, I'm done. I can't, I'm not willing to be in tears on Sunday night. I'm not willing to go through the, the ratings race and the pressure and the negativity and the backstabbing and the gossip and all the things I want out and I found my way. And they're like, wait, what, what do you mean you're out? I'm like, I'm out, mm -hmm. I'm done. Here's my two week notice. And they were beyond shocked. The funny thing is since then, several anchors have now followed suit and join me in the same endeavor because they realize that it is something that's lucrative and it's something that they can do alongside, if not totally replace something else. And there's so many side hustles out there where you can do that. But like you said, you've just got to just give it a shot. What's the problem dipping a toe in and just seeing what happens? And don't be afraid to suck at it <laughs> at first. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid, Absolutely. you know, because the more you do it, the better you'll get. You know, I still, I have friends still in the business and, and young people that I mentor that are in the business. Um, do you, but I, I saw this survey today and it was so, um, it was sad and bothersome. And it's the fact that people trust news even less today than they have in past years. And I'm talking newspapers or television, the public trust. And I think part of that has to do with just the polarization that's happening politically in the country. But do you, uh -huh. I know so many people that don't even watch news anymore. Do you watch it? What do you watch? Do you watch your friends? Do you, how, how do you consume news these days? 
That's so funny. From the day that I walked out of the TV station, I have not watched full newscast since then. And I don't miss it. And the funny thing is I used to have viewers that came up and go, oh, I know you, you're Sarah, what? And like, oh, I think I've seen you. I don't really watch news. I'm thinking, oh, they lie. They just don't want to tell me they watch the competition. <laughs> but they really didn't watch the news. And I get it. I don't watch the news. So I actually, and when stories do break, I, um, I have apps from three different networks um, that I go to and I scroll through and read because I truly believe if you want a full picture of news, you can't get it just from CNN or just from Fox or just from the BBC or whatever. You need to go to multiple outlets to get the full picture. Um, now, you know, you, and you said, you know, is it because it's polarizing because of the political climate right now? Is that why people aren't watching? This literally came to me this morning. When you and I probably first started, there were so many different companies that owned TV stations. I worked for Gannett. I worked for Post Newsweek. I worked for a, a small family-owned station. These stations now are all being bought up by, by like the big three or four. And so I just wonder if that also is hurting the, um, the quality of news, if it's hurting the perspectives of news. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think another thing is people are burned out and they're not willing to go the extra effort in local news. And I'm seeing this with friends of mine. I, I had a very good friend of Philadelphia text me a video. She was being absolutely harassed, cursed at, screamed at, threatened as she showed up at the scene of a homicide. Well, you and I know we don't want to show up at a murder scene, mm -hmm. but we're told to go there. And she showed up in a live truck to do some live shots for four, five and six. And these people were after her. I mean, it was terrifying watching the video. My heart rate was through the roof. And she and her photographer finally just broke down the live truck, got back in, and they drove off. They didn't cover it. It is just getting out of control. Their station was shot at. They've had other people shot at. What's going on today? It's, it's a scary time to be in TV news. It is. And it, it so is. I, don't, I don't know that people are giving it their all like they used to because they're burned out and they're scared. And they're, they're yeah, exactly, they wanna live and they know that so often uh, a lot of these media companies will not um, back you. They, I mean, it's, they, they're struggling with budgets. They don't have the budgets for like the proper security perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, it can be scary. And I also think that a lot of media companies aren't willing to invest in people anymore. So they don't feel mm -hmm. a lot of loyalty toward that company. So you have, uh, people that rotate in and out of markets. The viewers don't get to really know who's, uh, I mean, it's, it's rare. In, in where I live here um, in Northern California, uh, there's one station in town where the anchors have been there a very, very long time. And if I'm going to watch local news, that's what I watch because I feel connected to those folks because mm -hmm. that one mm -hmm. station has uh, invested in them. And that's not the case in most markets nowadays. So you really don't know the people or uh, they haven't built up that credibility that stations used mm -hmm. to allow people to build up. Well, and because there are just so few um, big companies that own these stations now, you can transfer from station to station. You, you just spend a year here, you can move to another one within the Tegna network, and then another year here and move and move. So you're not building up the credibility in your, in your town, and you're just jumping from market to market. I spent three years in my first tiny little market. I had, I think, three different contracts there. Mm -hmm. I spent five years in Knoxville. You know, so I was spending good quality time, and then you you do feel connected to the town and you want to do the best for your viewers. But with the way it's set up today, 
you don't develop that loyalty on either end. Well, you sound definitely for someone who used to be a morning show anchor and getting up at 2 a.m. I mean, um, I'm sure you have caught up now on your sleep for many years. Um, how else is your life different? I mean, how do you feel different? How do you how do you live in the world differently? Gosh, it, my life is a complete 180 and I, I truly could not be happier about it. Uh, people ask all the time, don't you miss TV news? Don't you want to go back? Never. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to go back into that because I know what that did for my mental health. I know what that did for my relationships with my family. I know what that it was. It cost me years of my life uh, where I, I missed out. And so my life today is I, I wake up when I'm done sleeping. Basically, you know, I, you know, your alarm clock, that's the most appropriately named device in your whole house. It's alarming <laughs> at 2 a.m., right? So I wake up when I'm done sleeping. I am a fully present parent with my four kids. I mean, I've got kids that range from third grade through college. I mean, I have them really spread out, and that's because of TV contracts. You have to spread your kids out, you know, depending on, you know, you can't be pregnant with a contract coming up or just moving to a new station. So my kids are very spread out. Um, but I can be there for lacrosse practice and basketball games and baseball tournaments, and I don't have to pick and choose. I can go to all of them. And now I work around my family schedule. So if I'm doing stuff with them during the day in the summer, I work from 7 to 8.30 at night or 9. And then I'm, I'm done, and I'll go tuck the kids into bed, and we'll spend time together. Or, or my older ones will stay up and watch movies. The, and honestly, the best thing, I think, for me was when my 14-year-old son literally turned to me on Saturday. He said, Mom. We're at the gas station. We're pumping gas. And he says, Mom, I love our life. Oh, and I that thought, is so lovely. Like, I've never, I, I, I've never heard a kid say that. Or I, I don't even know if that would have crossed my mind to say to my parents. But uh, so, And I bet none of your children have a birth date in May or November or February, do they? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I asked her that uh, if just because those are the major ratings books. And if you're working in television news and you are having children, you're usually trying not to plan your maternity date for when there's ratings, big ratings books. That's right. Uh, That's it has so been true. such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you know, I, I have to ask you this. I ask this of all my guests. Is there something you do, a habit you have uh, that uh, that you go to to replenish yourself? Like when your creative juices are run dry and you are trying to get inspiration or just kind of need a, a moment of peace to work on a big project, is there a habit that you have that helps you get into that creative space? I would say there are two things that I do that really have made a difference um, in my life as an entrepreneur now. Uh, one is when I feel like my creative juices are gone, um, I go to water. I live in a neighborhood where there's a little lake. Uh, we also have a house on a river. We often vacation in the upstate New York in the mountains, in the Adirondack Mountains. I find that being by water and the serenity absolutely fills me back up. And whether it's I just walk down to the neighborhood lake and I walk around it for an hour and just breathe and, you know, reflect and gratitude. Oh, gratitude is a life changer. I mean, really work on when, when everything is falling apart and maybe things aren't good. I literally, that happened the other day and I have a gratitude journal. I wrote in there, you know, I'm thankful that my 16 year old son is six foot four and could change the light bulbs that went out in my office. I mean, that's what a bad day it is. That's where you're looking at gratitude. But you know, it's the little things. We all have so much to be grateful for. The other thing for me, to really, um, it's, it's to work on myself daily. And it's that personal growth and development every morning for 20 minutes. 
it's your morning routine. I think that's so important. I mean, your morning is, that's the rudder of your day, right? If your day, if you're on a sailboat, it's the rudder. It's mm-hmm. going to steer you. If you jump out of bed and grab your phone and look at emails and immediately get frustrated and stressed and you're running in a million directions, your day probably is going to control you instead of you controlling your day. So getting up, having that time with my gratitude journal, having that time doing some reading and then finding a place near water when I just feel overwhelmed or I just need, I need a second, I need a minute. (laughs) That's where I go. Oh, so well said. Gratitude is magic. I feel the same way exactly Mm -hmm. about gratitude. Uh, Let's uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. Where can they connect with you, Sarah? Absolutely. Well, one of my favorite platforms right now is on LinkedIn. I absolutely love LinkedIn. So you can find me there. Um, I'm also, you can always check out my website and connect with me through there. And that's Sarah Davenport dot Arbon, A-R-B-O-N-N-E dot com. And I share more of my story there and all my favorite products as well. Wonderful. Sarah Davenport, thank you so much for your time and all of this great information. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Sarah Davenport. She's just a dynamic woman in the thick of building her business. And I see her content all the time. She's having a great year. A couple of things from my world at Mendonca Media. I have launched a new initiative based on this podcast. It's called The Power Profile. Yes, it's a mini documentary, though, for C-suite execs and thought leaders to increase reputation and reach. My team and I come in. We do extensive interviews with you, collect great B-roll photos, put together your story in a way that helps your customers, constituents, and investors see your place in their world. You can reach out at Mendonca Media to learn more. Also, sign up for my newsletter while you're there. In addition to my broadcasting, I went back to school years ago for a master's degree in leadership and communications, and I keep close contact with people that I went to school with and professors. I love the academic side of both of those topics, leadership and communication. So in my newsletter, I share new research, information, and news about that world from connections with colleagues in the academic space. It's been a busy summer for Mendonca Media. We've had production shoots every week in July. I've got hours of recordings to transcribe, but I'm taking a break in this last week of July to spend time with my daughters. Um, I know a lot of you can relate to this. This will be the first time my entire family has been all together in over two years. I can hardly wait for them to touch down and I'm so excited. Again, I know you can relate. I've got lots of power profiles though on the way and I thank you so much for spending some time with me. Be on the lookout for more stories of power right here on the podcast version of The Power Profile. This has been The Power Profile with Christina Mendonca. Stay connected through mendonzamedia.com.